John chapter 11, verses 28 to 44. John chapter 11, starting verse 28. Um, I heard this comment made earlier. Um, I, I don't know if it was this week, last week, on the radio. T, I don't know what I was listening to, watching, reading. But somebody made a comment that got my mind thinking in the direction that we're going to go this morning. Um, and then I went back to my list of sermons, and it was actually there. Um. Y'all know what a cropped photo is, right? A lot of times in advertisements, you have to be careful because people will take this, this photo and trim it and shape it and make it look what you desire it to look like, and then you get there and it ain't what you thought it was. Like a swimming pool at a hotel or a cabin, for instance. They'll, man, they'll have that thing cropped out, and it looks like it's 40 foot long and 20 foot wide. And it's the biggest swimming pool you've ever seen. And you walk up there and it's a 10 by 12. <laughs> and, and it's all about angles and cutting out and shading out and making things appear to be something that they're really not, right? And we see this in advertisements with Photoshop and they, they take these models and they clean everything up. Or, or I've seen, I've um, done a little bit of photography and, and know some people that do photography and and somebody's worried about the background, you go, don't worry about that, I can fix that. You can take the picture right here in the middle of everything and we can make you be standing wherever you want to be, right? They can do that. They can crop things and Photoshop things and dress things up to the point that you can't believe even what you see with your own eyes anymore. So many people go through this walk, through this life, living a cropped life. Photoshopped. And they take it and they trim it and they cut it and they just let you see what they want you to think it is. When what you're seeing is far from reality. And there's a lot of danger in this and there's a lot of things about this that just make me nervous. For one thing, God is real. And we're to be a reflection of His image. <laughs> so therefore we should be real. Right? We should keep it 100. You know what I mean? Right? That's what we should do. It should be everything's on the table. And we should live a life that looks real and is tangible and people can touch it and feel it and look at it and compare it to their own and go, you know what? Your scars are the start of my healing. But when we hold all this back and we hide everything, that's not possible. When we crop it, and we Photoshop it, and we turn our life into this appearance of what we want people to see when the reality is far from the appearance. Now, I want to walk you through a story that every one of you has heard and you're familiar with from the Bible, an account of a friend of Christ and that family. And I want you to see what it's like when everything is real, when everything is out on the table. And I want to show you how other people's lives can be changed when you let your scars be seen. Because if you cover up your scars, nobody learns nothing. I was a little bitty fella when my mom and dad come and pick me and my brother up from school. Here's another one of those stories that don't include my sister. Not because I don't love her, because she wasn't there. She just wasn't, she just wasn't born yet. So they come and picked us up from school, and we get home, and there's a brand new, I told y'all a story about these two vehicles not long ago, that 110 Kawasaki and that, and that 50 Suzuki, a three-wheeler and a four-wheeler. 
And I thought, man, them's the greatest things my daddy's ever done for me right here. I mean, I got wheels. And I was a young guy, and Thomas was two years younger than that, so we was little folks. And we rode them things and wore them out, and I can't tell you how many parts we replaced and brake cables and tires and shifters, and I mean, we wore them dudes out. There was a day that mom and dad were spring cleaning and I was out on my three-wheeler and I was riding and I was out there in this big mud hole and, and I was getting mud in my hair. And at that time, I had hair. <laughs> and at that time, I cared. <laughs> so I didn't want this mud to get in my hair, so I decided to go back to the house and get my helmet. So I, I raced back to the house, I get my helmet, and then I sat back out across that field going to that, that, that mud hole. And on the way somewhere, and this was the danger of the three-wheelers, one of them, on the way, somewhere along the way, I hit a pothole about the size of the front tire of that three-wheeler. And I was going wide open, so it caused the, the front wheel to do this. Well, it, in the air, locked this away. And when I hit, it started a roll. And it throwed me off of it. And it, it busted my helmet into a blue zillion pieces. I still had the little styrofoam shell still strapped on when all was said and done. But at somewhere during the, the ride, during that fall, my arm went across the brake handle that was broke off because I turned it over in the snow and broke it off. And it cut my arm from right above my wrist all the way around to here. And I could look in it and see my bone. I go run into the house and knock on the front door. I mean, I, I just, I'm delirious, just to be honest with you. I knocked on the front door. Mama goes, why are you beating on the door? I said, I've had a three-wheeler wreck. She said, how bad? I said, I don't know. My head is bleeding. Because I could just see that I was standing in a pool of blood. At this point, I didn't know where I was hurt. I just knew that helmet was just a shell. And if there's blood, it had to come from my head. So I'm standing at the front door like this when she gets there and she looks down. And she goes, you dummy, you've about cut your arm off. So I go running through the house to the kitchen sink and turn the cold water on. <laughs> and when I did that, I, I could see the bone in my arm, literally. And I went, oh, this ain't good. Then I start getting lightheaded and daddy's come in from outside. He was working outside and mama's hollered to him. He's come in. They grabbed me up and wrapped me in a towel and throwed me in the, in the big orange van we had, and we strike out to Pulaski, and I'm, he's trying to keep me awake, and I'm passing out, and he's waking me up, and I'm passing out, he's waking me up. Well, I've ended up with this scar from that time in my life. It's a scar. At that day, that day it was a wound. That day it hurt. That day it was a lot of blood loss. We, I wasn't sure if I would get the use of my hand back. I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. But today, it's a scar. And it reminds me of a time in my life, of an event. And I can remember all of those details because of this scar. And I can tell you time from time to time, I'll be driving down the road and look down and, and see that scar and go, whew, that was a wild day. But today, it's, it's just a scar. It's healed. I'm not bleeding anymore. You can't see my bone. My arm works fine. My hand, it's just a scar. But now when I was going through it, there was a lot of pain involved. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of blood loss. Now, it would be easy for me to just wear long sleeves all the time and keep that scar covered so nobody could see it. But from time to time, I'll be working, and somebody, a kid, 
a grown person, somebody will point at my arm or at my arm and go, "What what happened there? That's a pretty good scar." And I'll tell that story. How many times have I had an opportunity to tell the story because the scar was seen? But see, in life we go through things and we have these scars. And for some reason, we think it's best to just cover them up and we don't have to worry about it. Because, see, it's not a wound anymore today. It's not hurting. It's not bleeding. The heartache, the tears, all of that's gone. And it's just a scar. And we just want to cover it up and pretend like it never happened. When the reality of it is, if you would share the story of that scar, somebody else's healing may could begin. Right? But we want to cover it up and hold it in. I want to show you something in John Chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Y'all stand with me to honor the reading of, of the Word of God. John eleven twenty-eight. 28. Now, we're starting in the middle again because the story is long, and, and, and I don't want to just stand up here and read to you. I want the opportunity to preach. Um, so I'm going to tell you where we're at. Y'all are familiar with this story. This is uh, Mary and Martha and Jesus, and, and um, Jesus is on a little trip, and Mary comes to him and, and tells him that her brother Lazarus has died. And, and Jesus is responding to that. And, and she makes a comment in verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this is where we start. She went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb where, um, to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, who would see? If you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me." When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come out!" The man who had died, came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, 
and his face wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Let's pray. Father and our God, we do humble ourselves before you this morning to thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house, to be, Father, studying and listening to and, and praying and, and preaching your word this morning. I thank you for those that have sang, Father, and, and sang your word this morning. I, I pray, God, for all that you have done in our lives, Father. I, I thank you for the wounds. I thank you for the scars. I thank you, Father, for the opportunities to witness and to minister to others because of the things that you've allowed me to walk through. Father, I thank you and I praise you and I pray this morning that your word would jump off of these pages and speak to our hearts that we would walk out of this place different than when we came in. Father, I thank you, I love you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it takes a little while to get to where I want to go in this message, but I don't want to skip over a lot of things and leave anything out. So I ask you to bear with me and, and, and buckle in this morning and remember that we started out talking about scars and healing, and we talked about not covering it up, and we talked about cropped photos, and we talked about things not always being exactly as they appear and the danger of living a life that is that way. Now, I want you to go with me as we walk through these Verses of scripture here in verse 28, when she had said this, she went, when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. How many people are standing where they stand today waiting on Jesus to come to them? Huh? How many people know the truth and have heard the story and know the gospel and they're standing right where they are with their arms by their side going, I'll take him as soon as he gets here. How many people Sunday in and Sunday out go through the process of sitting through a sermon and go through an invitation and stand right where they are and hold on to that pew in front of them all the time waiting on Jesus to come to them? All you got to do is take the first step and he'll carry you the rest of the way. But you got to go run into Jesus. Look at what Mary's response was when she heard that he was there. She didn't stand around and, and talk about what he wants and debate all these things. She went running to him. We would be in a much better place if we could drop our pride and run to Jesus. If we could forget about what people are going to think about us and run to Jesus. Go meet him where he is, wherever that is. Listen, don't stand over here, church people. Don't stand over here talking about all you got going on, waiting on God to get there and start moving. You need to look for where God's moving and go get there. Go get in the middle of that. Quit waiting on him to come to you. You ain't here for him to serve you. You're here to serve him. And you serve him by serving those around you. Stop waiting on Jesus to get to where you are and go to him. Go get involved where he's involved. Go look at the places where you see him move. Listen, this social media can be a wonderful thing, and, it, and, and at times it is, and this is one of those examples that I think it is. Because I'll turn that thing on, whether it be Snapchat or, or Facebook or Instagram. or I got them all. <laughs> and I'll know how to work most of them. <laughs> and, you, and you scroll through that thing, and you see these places where people are posting what an artist God is. And, it, and for some people, it'll be a, a picture of the river and the still waters. 
Some people, they're at the beach. Some people's in the mountains. For some folks, it's their drive to work in this beautiful sunset or this beautiful sunrise or this beautiful sky after a storm. And they've got some comment on there about how great God is. And I look at that and go, you know, as simple as that is, that's an example of a person that realizes God's hand is at work in everything you look at. Slow down and notice that. Slow down and realize that God's hand is at work in your life. All around you, God is at work in other people's lives. Slow down and recognize that. Take a minute and enjoy the fact that God created you to reflect his image to all of humanity. Take the time. Slow down. Quit being so worried about looking a certain way and be who you are. And that is an image bearer for God. Slow down a little. Slow down and enjoy and listen to me. If you see God at work, go stand there. <laughs> go stand right there. Don't sit over here and wait on him to come to you. Mary didn't. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. He ain't even got into town yet. That's how far she went. You see that, right? He ain't even got into the village where they are. He's still standing on the outside where, where he was when Martha came across him. She goes and tells Mary, Mary's in a dead run to get to him. Do y'all remember the story, original story, the first story, I should say, of Mary and Martha? And what was going on and how that all played out? And he was at their house, and, and, and they were hosting him, so to speak. And Martha was busy. She was getting everything ready and putting all the food in the right place and making sure all the, the good dishes were out. And then she's cleaning up afterwards. And then she gets angry because she looks around and Mary's not there. But she's, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha goes in and goes, hey, what? I mean, teacher, tell her. I mean, I'm doing all this work and here she is sitting in here. And he said, listen, you're doing a lot of things that are pretty important. But she's doing the one thing that is most important and that will not be taken away from her. You know the most important place you can be, no matter what's going on, no matter what time of day, no matter what the chaos is, the most important place you can be is at the feet of Jesus. To just get there and sit and listen. Listen. To just get to the feet of Jesus and rest in the comfort of knowing that no matter what you're facing and no matter what you're going through, there's nothing in this world that's bigger than Him. Nothing, nothing bigger than him. Man, it would be great to just slow down a little, wouldn't it, from time to time to just have the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, to just have the opportunity to just sit down. Man, it's so much chaos in my world right now. I beg for these times. I, I, last week I worked uh, 13 hours, two days. So Wednesday night till 7.30 and Thursday night till 7.30. That's starting at 6 in the morning. Friday rolled around and I told Amanda, I said, I, I got to go back to Cowan. Man, I, I'm going to be out till 7.30 again tonight. That's three days in a row. I'm tired of this. I want to just slow down. Well, God, please don't let that part come in. <laughs> I know that sounds bad. <laughs> but listen, it was just the air conditioner hose and that dude ain't that hot no way. <laughs> God, please, just please, God, don't. God. <laughs> hey, they call him squirrel if you <laughs> Please, God, don't let that part come in. 
And I really did do this. I really, this I'm not making this up. Friday morning, I told Amanda, I said, I'm just going to ask God to not let the park come in so I don't have to go today. So he did. He didn't let the park come in. It did, it did come in, but it got in late. So I called the guy that's over the job in Cowan, and I said, David, I can't. I mean, I, I mean by the time I get there now, it's going to be 630. You won't even wait for me to get there to keep the gate open. He said, no, I ain't staying here till that late tonight. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, be here at 5 o'clock Monday morning. A two-hour drive from my house, be here at 5 o'clock Monday morning, and, and you can get it going before we start at 6.30. Okay, Lord, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. From now on, I will not pray that the parts not come in because now I got to be up at 3 o'clock. Got to be up and moving at 3 o'clock to get there by 5. Sometimes God gives us exactly what we asked for, Right? And then we look at it and go, this ain't what, yes, I did, I asked for this. I asked for this. Listen, 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 Mary, Mary was doing, do, Martha was doing great work, but Mary was where she needed to be. If Mary had been as concerned with Christ as, I mean, if Martha had been as concerned with Christ as Mary was, then the busy stuff wouldn't, have, and listen, I desire to just sit at his feet. And I thought that's what I was asking for. But see, I had a selfish mindset. I, I, I had to explain to God how tired I was and how busy I'd been and how everything's running together and I can't even get to church on Wednesday nights, it seems like, anymore. God, I just, I just want time to sit at your feet. But my heart wasn't in the right place. I was doing it for selfish reasons. Make sure when you're asking <laughs> that you're asking with the right heart. Because you can ask for the right thing with the wrong mindset and you'll get what I got and be up at 3 o'clock in the morning with me on the way to Cowan. Oh, and by the way, my truck's out of fuel and I can only buy fuel at one place in Giles County. So i got to go home from church today, get my service truck, come to town, get fuel to be ready in the morning. Just to throw that out there, just to show you how God, and God's sitting up there going, <laughs> I know he is, I know he is. He's not really, but it feels that way some days, don't it? It, he is. Somebody just assured me he is. Never mind. He is. Listen, get where Jesus is. Slow down. And I know it's hard to slow down. I just told you my story. That's just a week's worth. I can give you some more if you want it. Slow down. Find where Jesus is and go sit at his feet. Go to where he's at. And you know what? Jesus isn't always standing in the exact same spot all the time. At this time, he was outside the village. Here shortly, he's going to be inside the village. The first time, he was in their house. So sometimes it may be in your house. Sometimes it may be outside the village. Find where Jesus is and go get at his feet. Keep going with me. We're going to get there, I promise. <clears throat> uh, now, Oh, yeah, this is good stuff. Now, Jesus had not yet come in verse 30, verse 31. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her. Man, that screamed at me. <laughs> Look at the next part of that. Supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. The Jews, seeing Mary leave where she was at, run to Jesus, and they followed her. They didn't even know where she's going. 
Do you know how many people will follow you if they see you run to Christ? Some of them don't realize where they're following you to. Right? They didn't know where they was going. They just knew they was going with her. Hey, sometimes when you're covering things up and you're hiding and you're not allowing the real you to be seen, it's costing somebody you love very dearly an opportunity to encounter Christ. That's the truth. Sometimes when I cover up my scars and sometimes when I act like that never happened to me, there's somebody really close to me that needs to hear that part of my story that ain't getting the opportunity for their healing to start today because I refuse to let it be known and I refuse to let it be seen because people will follow you. Look, they didn't know where Mary, they just seen Mary get up quickly and go to Jesus. They thought she was going to cry at the tomb. They encounter Christ and go, oh, this ain't what we was expecting. People will follow you if you'll run to Christ. If you'll go get where God is working and be there, people will follow you. People will follow you. Some of them don't even know where you're going, and they'll follow, and then they get there and look at the opportunity. They have an opportunity to encounter the creator of all the universe just because you was obedient. But the same is true when you're not obedient. When you make the choice to not go, when you make the choice to stand still, when you make the choice to cover up, when you make the choice to not speak, they lose that opportunity. Now, a lot of us, we got this, this mindset. We got several of them that are so messed up. But I won't cover them all today. You couldn't handle it all at one time. We got this mindset. And part of it's right. I can't stop God from doing what he's going to do. That's true. That's, that's right. But you know, there are things in my life that God has assigned for me to do that if I don't get them done, they don't get done. Not because God can't without me, because he chooses not to. So what we write off, if we use this as a crutch, and what we say is, well, if I don't do it, somebody else will. Right? And you assume that. And you assume that God didn't just give that just to you. Well, maybe he did. Maybe that person is the one that you're supposed to reach. Maybe that person is going to get their opportunity through seeing how you respond and how you react, and you blew it. Now, can you sleep tonight knowing somebody may end up spending an eternity in hell because you were disobedient to the creator of the universe? I can't. See, we put these things in place and we twist what the scripture says to make us feel better about what we're not doing. Hey, I don't have to have an amen to know I'm right. I read it in here. <laughs> amen? I'd like one every once in a while, but I ain't got to have it. Because <laughs> I heard my preacher say, right is right if I'm the only one doing it, and wrong is wrong even if the whole world does it. See, it ain't based upon whether you agree or disagree based upon what God said. And I promise you there are instances in your life where God has assigned a specific task to you, and if it don't get done through you, it's not going to get done. That's true. Therefore, we should make more take more seriously the opportunities that we do have and quit writing it off. If I don't do it, somebody else will. I learned that when I was a little guy. Just because I didn't do it didn't mean my mama was going to come behind me or my daddy was going to come behind me and make sure it was done. 
we would do ourselves a favor to understand that the assignments that God has put on your life are particular to you. And when you go through things, if you just cover them up, then there's so many people around you that don't get that opportunity. Now, I'm not saying they don't get some other opportunity, but they don't get that opportunity. Listen, you've got to take it serious. You've got to keep going with me. Come on, let's get there. It's good stuff in here. I can't just run through it. 32 and 33, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Again, she's there. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Some of y'all need to hear this part this morning. When Jesus saw Mary with a broken heart, and when Jesus saw the Jews that were with her crying, moved his spirit and he was greatly troubled I need a friend like Jesus from time to time that knows what it feels like to hurt like I do amen let me assure you of something Christ is not just this for Mary Christ is this for every you are an heir you understand that you are you are you have been adopted into his household you are a part of everything that he is. Listen to me. You are, you are a kindred to Christ. He is moved. He is troubled when you hurt. He cares. He's really concerned. It's not just for Mary. It's not just for Lazarus. It's not just for Martha. He has this same compassion for every individual. And when you feel like you're alone and you feel like it's too dark for Christ to see you, he's troubled. When you hurt, he's troubled. He desires the kind of relationship that you can see yourself having with a person that hurts when you hurt. He wants that relationship with you. He's troubled. It says he was greatly troubled. His spirit was moved because he's seen her cry and he's seen them cry. Your tears move Christ. He doesn't forget about you. He, you're not in a place where he can't get to you. You're not in a place so deep and so dark that he can't rescue you. And he's troubled when you hurt. He's stirred when you cry. It's not particular to just these folks. He cares about every single one. Hey, he'll leave the 99 to go get one. Don't forget that. That's so important for you to know as a Christian. You never get to a place where you're not important to your creator. You never get to a place where you're not important to your savior. He loves you and he loves you to the point that he is troubled when you hurt. forget that don't ever think you're alone as a child of God you are never alone and she said and he said where have you laid him and they said to him Lord come and see and look at verse 35 he was troubled he was stirred because of their tears 
And he himself wept. He felt what they felt. He was hurt. Now I've always taught and always told and always assumed that Jesus wept because Lazarus was dead. Today I'm not so convinced of that. I'm starting to think Jesus wept because Mary wept. Jesus wept because he hurt because they hurt because of their loss. And listen, it goes on to say, couldn't he have stopped this? Could he? Yeah. Couldn't he have stopped this? Yes, he could have. Couldn't he have stopped that heartache? Yes, he could have. Couldn't he have saved y'all the pain of miscarriages? Couldn't he have saved us the pain of miss? Yes, he could. You know why he don't? He needs you to have scars so other people can be healed. He needs you to have scars so other people can be healed. Could he have stopped Lazarus from dying? Yeah, but he done, done that. They ain't never seen him pull somebody out the graveyard yet. Right? And he got so much more glory out of that. See, he don't get the glory out of the possible. He gets the glory out of the impossible. Could he have stopped it? Yeah, but see, your scars may be somebody else's beginning to healing. But now you walk around with these scars all covered up. You've cropped them out of the picture. You've photoshopped them and made them disappear. And the rest of the world needs to see your scars. You need to know that you've hurt. Because those scars may be the beginning to somebody else's healing. Do you know how many people's lives have been changed because of this story right here? Just this story. And if it was written any other way, it has left impact. See, this is the knowledge of God. He knows what works the best. And I know it hurts, and I know it stinks, and I know some days it's just not fair. But let me assure you, Jesus sees your pain, and he weeps over your pain. But he knows, just like with Mary and these Jews, he knew he could have stopped this death, and he wouldn't have had to see them hurt and cry. But he couldn't do it that way because the impact would have been so much less. And he knew that there was a better... Listen, the reason I'm convinced that Jesus wasn't crying because Lazarus died is because he knew what he was fixing to do. Right? He knew he was fixing to raise him from the dead. So it wasn't his death that had him stirred. He was still troubled over the fact of the tears of the people that did love Lazarus and didn't know what was coming. And there's so many times in our lives that Christ is sitting up there with tears in his eyes and we're down here struggling and he's going, if you'll just hold on. If you'll just hold, just for just a few more days, if you'll just hold on, we're going to get to the other side of this thing and the glory to God's going to be so great, you'll forget about the pain. But we want to rush through it. We want to hurry up and get through this and hurry up and get this over with. And why me, God? So many times we have that mentality when really what we ought to be doing is going, how can I, God? How can I get closer to you? How can I, God? How can I depend on you through this time? How can I, God? Show me, teach me. So the next time I get to this point, I just know what to do. Because I know that on the other side of this, all the glory is going to be yours. Mm, my goodness. <clears throat> I, got, I got a couple more things I want to point out to you, and I'm going to quit. Then Jesus, here in verse 38 again, here Jesus deeply moved again. Wow. 
came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. <laughs> He's been dead four days. How many times does Christ tell us, Move the stone, move that rugged, rough stone of your heart, and let me call it out. And you look at him and go, Uh-uh, that's going to stink. Huh? That's right. God, you don't know how long that's been in there. You don't understand that if this comes to the light today, it's going to be a mess. Right? We do that. We say that. And Jesus is going, pull this to the top. Bring this to the top. Let's talk about this. Let's get this out. Let's uncover this. And we're going, oh, no, that's going to stink. And you know what? It does. It absolutely does. A four man, a day, a man been dead four days. I guarantee you got a little stench on him. Ain't no two ways about it. She was right. If you if you move that stone, he's been in there four days. It's gonna stink. And 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 you may be right. The thing that God's trying to get you to talk about, the thing He's trying to get you to bring to the surface, the thing He's trying to get you to uncover. That's not a wound anymore. It's a scar now. Whatever it is, let me assure you, it's probably going to stink. But look at what you miss if you don't move the stone. Their brother walked out of the tomb four days later. He walked out because they did remove the stone, because they did endure the stench. The reward worth the battle every single time over and over and over listen Christians listen church folks stop trying to live the cropped life stop trying to live the photoshopped life be real be let it just let it be known yes it may stink yes it probably hurts to talk about it again but listen to me somebody's healing can't start because you got your wounds covered up you got your scars covered up and nobody can see it and nobody knows about it and that's all fine and good but when you die with it covered up and nobody then all you did was suffer for no reason the purpose of that suffering was to give you the scar so that on the other side somebody else's healing could begin Don't live the cropped life. Hey, I'm as human as you are. You ain't fooling nobody. You just suffering alone is all you're doing. You don't have to. There's no need for it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with those around you. Listen, quit standing over there to the sideline hollering at God to come to where you are. Go get where he's at. Even if standing in the light means people see things they ain't never seen before. So what? Be proud of what God has brought you through. I got scars all over me. I told you I can tell stories all day about all the junk I did. <laughs> I wasn't a very smart young, and I just going to tell you. I've been sewed up so many times. They know my name. At the, they knew my social security number when we went in the emergency room. <laughs> they go, hey, Francis, there's Nick. <laughs> scars everywhere. And that's not counting the scars that are on the inside. But I learned a long time ago, they didn't give me them to cover them up and hide them and act like they don't exist. Everything God's ever given to me, he give it to me for me to share. Even the stuff that hurts.
meant for me to share. It's meant for you to share. Step out of that cropped photo. Be the real you. So people can see who you are. Somebody needs to see your scars so their healing can begin. Stop living the cropped life. It ain't worth it. Francis Chan, that video this morning, he talks about the older you get and still buying stuff and still getting stuff when you ought to be realizing you ought to be maturing and you ought to be figuring out this stuff's going away. This stuff ain't important. We ought to be getting to a place in life where we can look at this and know the seriousness. Hey, y'all got to understand, I'm not up here just to hear me talk. I'm up here sharing with you from God's Word for the purpose of seeing people grow into better images of the Creator. This isn't, this isn't for my health. Matter of fact, my health would be way... I wouldn't be near as stressed if I didn't have this. Oh, y'all... That's the truth. Don't laugh if you want to. I'm telling you the truth. You talk about being, being stressed out over 3 o'clock in the morning. That ain't near as troublesome as some of that other junk I'm dealing with. Some days I'd rather get up at 3 o'clock and be gone all day. I'm just kidding. I love y'all. Just kidding. I almost told too much. I'm sorry. Hey, take this stuff and apply it, man. Take it and let it change you. Allow the Word of God to shape and form you into exactly what God desires for you to be. He's got a purpose for you, man. He's got stuff for you to do. He's got people for you to reach. And little old you is as important as anybody you can imagine. I promise you that. Hey, your sufferings ain't for naught. I, I see it. I know. I understand. I know it hurts. I, I get it. But it ain't for nothing. It's not. I promise you it has purpose. Y'all stand. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up here and, and give us a time of invitation. I want to encourage you this morning to respond. Whatever God's laid on your heart, whatever, however, what, whatever you got to do, I encourage you to just do that this morning, to just, to just respond in a way that's pleasing to God. I just promise you with all I've got in me that you ain't suffering for nothing and you ain't got those wounds and those scars for nothing. And if they're wounds today, good news, one day they'll heal up and it'll just be an old scar. And then you'll get hairy and people can't even see it, maybe. But hey, until then, until then, listen to me, until then, it's going to hurt. It's a process of healing. They had to put stitches inside, the, inside, the, inside of me. <laughs> they stitched up the meat back over the top of the bone and then stitched up on the outside. And that takes a little while to heal. And I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I wasn't over 12 or 13 or something like that. I wasn't that old, probably nine or ten years old. Eight, about eight years old. There we go. I told y'all I was a little guy. It took a long time for that to get to the point where I, I mean, it don't even, I mean, it's like it's not, but listen, that day I thought I was dying. Right now, you may think you're dying. Right now, it may hurt so bad you'd do anything to come out of it. Hey, one day it'll be a scar. One day it'll be an opportunity to tell somebody what God did in your life. One day. Hey, if you're still in the, in the stage of a wound, it still hurts. And I get that and I understand that. 
hey, come get in this altar and cry out. <laughs> Let us cry out with you. You ain't got to hold it in and tote it all by yourself. He didn't put us in a family so you could go through stuff on your own. Please don't do that. Take advantage of this opportunity as they sing. 